0: Hello and welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Innovation on Maine. Today's episode is brought to you by the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing in their newly funded Bridge to Doctorate program. This program is looking to support 12 domestic minority students wishing to pursue a doctorate in a STEM-related field by providing these students with full funding for the first two years of their studies. If you fit this bill and are interested in applying, Visit the college's website today and take the first step toward beginning your doctorate degree. I'm your host Abe Danaher, and today I'll be joined by Nicole Berge to discuss the research she is doing on garbage and waste. I think most of us already know what happens to trash today. You throw something out; eventually, it gets tossed into a garbage truck, and soon it's dumped into a municipal solid waste landfill, where it will stay for the rest of eternity, rotting away. Now. I don't know about you, but I've never really given much thought to my trash once it was at the curb and I didn't have to smell it anymore. But sitting down with Nicole preparing for this completely changed that for me. She asked me, what if we could do something productive with all the trash we are producing? What if, instead of just taking up space, it could power our lights or fertilize our land? Soon, I'm going to cue the music and bring in Nicole. But before I do that, I want you to think about this for a second. How different would our conversations around energy sources be if the things we threw out could eventually be used to power the world around us? Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be a part of the podcast series.
0: <laughs> well, before we get talking about your research, um, I'd love to know how you first got into researching trash. How did that happen? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a great question. So, uh, you know, when I tell students or other people that I love talking about trash, talking about solid waste, and love doing research in that area, I get all of these really strange looks. Um, it, I guess I started getting interested in this area when I was an undergraduate student here at USC. Um, I was asked by a faculty member, Dr. Mike Meadows, if I would be interested in doing some research for him. He had this project where he was looking at the integrity of soil covers on top of waste that was in a landfill. And he tasked me with finding a way to simulate what happens in a landfill. So, you know, 50 years over, you know, something that could happen in the lab over a scale of maybe two or three years. So I started doing a lot of research in trash, learning all different kinds of things about it, and was really captivated by all of the different kinds of things that were going on that I had no idea about. And honestly, from that point forward, that's what I've exclusively done research in.
0: What was your initial thought when he said, oh, I'm gonna have you working in a landfill?
1: I think I kind of laughed at him at first and I was like, really? (laughs) He was like, yes. And, you know, from again, from that point forward, it was it was interesting. I mean, it's just something that I really got into.
0: And you've been doing that now ever since.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that was really a defining experience for me.
0: Great, so now to your research that you're doing now, Mm -hmm. what does your research really aim to do?
1: So what I spend a lot of my time researching right now is this technique called hydrothermal carbonization. Um, And really that's just kind of a a fancy way of saying that we're gonna pressure cook waste. Uh, And we've been developing and evaluating this process to see if we can convert wet waste products to something of value, or use the process and recover resources from the waste materials.
0: Okay, so what do you hope? Um, what good could this do? Why, why are you looking into this?
1: Yeah, it could do a, a lot of good. You know, if we're able to take waste that would otherwise be landfilled, and it's no landfilling, take it out of that. So, you know, take space that, or give more space uh, available in landfills, um, but take that waste and then do something new with it that, has value something that you know instead of throwing it away you can recycle in some way i think that would be very beneficial so with this process we are able to take food waste for example and convert that into a fertilizer material or convert that efficiently into a source of of energy um, or recover nutrients from it that otherwise again if you were just landfilling you wouldn't be able to to utilize again
0: how are you able to get energy from trash. (laughs) How does that work?
1: (laughs) Well, there are a couple of different ways to do it. If we talk about the hydrothermal carbonization process, what happens in this essentially is you take your wet waste, you put it in a reactor, and you seal it, and you cook it. So it's very much like pressure cooking or like an instant pot at home. Put it in the oven, you heat it to a temperature, which is dependent on what you want your final product to be. Because you're heating a wet waste in a closed system, the pressure inside of that reactor is going to increase. Because of the increase in pressure and the presence of moisture, a whole bunch of different reactions occur. And what results from this is a solid material that we refer to as hydrochar that has a really high energy content associated with it. So you can kind of think of it almost as a charcoal-like material.
0: Cool. Now, could you put anything to this pressure cooker? Could it be the trash from outside of Swearingen or does it have to be something special?
1: Yeah, it absolutely can. Um, Anything that's inorganic isn't going to convert, but you could potentially recover it. So, I mean, you can carbonize paper, food, cardboard, anything that has organics or is organic.
0: So what kind of got you started on this? I know you've been working in landfills your whole career, but on this specific path, was there something that started it?
1: Um, that's a great question. So I started this research, gosh, probably about 10 years ago. Um And I guess what we were thinking at the time was just trying to come up with a more sustainable way, I guess, of dealing with our trash. So instead of, again, putting it in a landfill, being able to recover as many resources from it as possible. I had a colleague at USDA who was starting to look at this process and using it for liquid waste streams like pig waste and chicken waste and things like that. And so we kind of adapted
0: that to solid waste. Cool. Now, is this done anywhere else, maybe in another country? Is this new?
1: Um, It is done in other countries, not at large scales with waste yet, but there are a lot of people researching it um, in other countries as well. Um, Over in Germany, um, most commonly, if they're hydrothermally carbonizing something, it might be some type of agricultural residue or maybe wood chips or something like that.
0: Cool. So how far away would we potentially be from doing this in the US?
1: So it's a good question. Um, I think it depends. Um, I think that we have the technology to do this um, and to do it at much larger scales than what I'm exploring in in the lab. Um, but I think that there are a lot of questions that have to be answered yet. Um, part of what happens during this process, because you have a wet waste, you have a liquid waste stream that results. And I think we need to understand, one, are there things that we can recover from that liquid waste to you know, enhance the recovery of resources from waste? And second, can we treat that liquid stream effectively? Because if we can't, then we're just creating another problem. So that's something that we need to, to look into in more detail. There's also a little bit of a a gas stream that results, um, that has some trace gases that I think we need to better understand why and how they're produced before we were to take solid waste and do this at a much larger scale.
0: So with what you know now, would you be comfortable implementing this on a larger scale or is there a lot more? Not
1: yet. I think that we still need to answer the questions I was just mentioning before doing this at a much larger scale.
0: Great, great. How productive, if this went to the full scale that you hope it could? Um, How much energy could actually come from this? Could this power our houses? Could this power a city? What could this do?
1: Uh, So it's a great question. I think it depends on how much waste we're carbonizing um, and what the the characteristics of that waste is. Um, We know when we carbonize food waste, again, depending on how long you carbonize for and the temperature that you carbonize at, we can recover anywhere from... I don't know, 90 to about 95% of the energy that was in the food waste in the hydrochar material. So it's hard to put an actual number to that. I think it depends a lot on how you carbonize, what kind of material you're carbonizing, and how much of that material you have.
0: Okay. And what's your research look like now? Do you have GAs working with you? I do. I
1: have a lot of graduate students. Um, Oftentimes we have undergraduate students in our lab as well.
0: And what's their reaction when you say you're going to be working with trash?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I often get that strange look like, wait do I have to touch the trash? (laughs) One of the the most interesting, I'll say, um, studies that that we did, I had a project that was funded looking at carbonizing food waste. And we wanted to get real food waste to carbonize. So I had students reach out to local restaurants to get their food waste and then collect that food waste over a period of time, bring it back to the lab. So they did that. uh, And then I explained the next step, which was us having to sort through the food waste because we really needed to understand what was in the food waste that we were going to carbonize. You know, was there mostly meat or breads or, or condiments? And so we had to, you know, put everything out on a tarp and sort everything. And that was that was not a very fun experience. Oh,
0: my gosh. I That's what even the students imagine. said. <laughs> I cannot even imagine what you had to pour through for that. Yes but we didn't eat for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine that. Um, so what's the next step for your research? Where do you hope this goes for you down the road?
1: Um, I think the next step is to continue answering questions about the feasibility of using this technique at at larger scales. So, you know, what is in the the liquid waste uh, stream that results from this? Can we treat that? Can we recover other things? Um, What is in the gas and how can we look at what those compounds are and treat those effectively? Um, I think also looking to see what kinds of markets there are for the hydrochar material that that's produced. If we do produce it, uh, will power companies here buy this product and use it in, you know, to co-generate electricity in, in their plants or not? Or if we were to take this hydrochar and use it as a fertilizer, is that something that is
0: effective? Will again, people buy this product and will it be useful? Do you have any idea about the economic viability of this, or is that? I think clear? we
1: need to understand that better too. I think that it'll come down to the marketability of of the hydrochar.
0: Cool. Well, I'd love to get to a segment that we've been working on. Um, It's called the Beyond the CV segment. Uh, I know our listeners have probably heard about this before. We've done this for the last couple episodes. But um, it's brought to you by the U of SC, College of Engineering and Computing's Career Center. Before we hear about Nicole's life outside of work, uh, I wanted to tell you about the best place to go to find your next internship, co-op, or job. Uh, The Career Center is located on the first floor of the Swearingen building, right next to the newly named Wired Cafe, which I heard has some awesome food. Uh, And stop by there today for some top-notch career advice. Now, for today's Beyond the CV segment, um, I heard that you had three really, really cute dogs. (laughs) I have a lot of questions, (laughs) but I want to know what are their names? How long you had them? What type are they?
1: Um, So my husband and I have three dogs. We have two Morkies. That's a mixture of a Maltese and a Yorkie. Um, One is Teddy and one is Kessie. And then we have a Weinerheimer Pitbull mix, and her name is Mabel.
0: Oh, so, how long have you had them?
1: Um, we've had Teddy and Kessie for about six years and Mabel for also around that time.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, we love them. <laughs> well, we have lots of fun with them.
0: That's awesome. Do you take them for walks around the neighborhood? What's their favorite thing to do?
1: Oh, we do. Um, they love to walk occasionally. Teddy loves to bark, and Kessie loves to attack Mabel.
0: Oh, my God. And Mabel loves to sleep. Three peas in a pod.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, Nicole, thank you for coming on today. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you like this podcast, then please, please, please subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify so that you never miss a new episode. And if you really like this podcast, then please toss us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Honestly, we couldn't do this without all of you guys taking time out of your day to listen. So again, thank you. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, but until then, I wish each and all of you the best until next time. Thank you.